Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 119, where in a moment, we're looking at whole of life insurance. That's in a moment, as I say, but please bear in mind, if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff, mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. Last week, we reviewed our podcast from 2022. Remember, we can drill down and focus on pretty much anything forensically. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. As I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And in that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. Joining me as always, the star of our show, Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you? Good, thank you. Well, we actually mentioned this in our last episode and said it might be one that we would get round to soon, and you've just jumped straight on it. So what is whole-of-life insurance? Yeah, whole-of-life insurance is a subject that we haven't really touched on much in, in previous podcasts, but it's really just a life insurance plan that pays out a cash sum upon your death. Usually the proceeds would be paid out free of, of any tax. But again, that, that's something we'll, we'll kind of go on to, to cover as we go through the show, but pretty much it's a life insurance plan that pays out a cash sum upon your death. Okay, and, and what are the differences then between your old bog standard life insurance and your, your whole of life insurance other than that, over and above that? Yeah, a, a normal or, or term insurance policy, as it would be called, that would run for a specified period. So perhaps it might be to cover you till you get to a certain age, or it might be to, to cover something like a mortgage, for example. So it'll have a set period of time that it's due to run. So if it was to cover a mortgage, the policy might run for 25 or 30 years, or you might have cover that runs to, say, age 50, 65, a certain age as well. Whereas a, a whole of life policy, it pays out upon your death whenever that may be. Okay. And the thing I'm thinking there is, who does it pay to? I mean, presumably whoever you put in your will. Yeah, I mean, that, that's it. There, there could be a number of different reasons for, for taking out whole of life insurance, but usually what will happen, I mean, if, if I was setting up a policy for somebody, I, I would usually tend to put it in trust and that way it falls out of someone's estate. So if they die, the money goes to the trust. But then there, there could be other reasons why someone has it as well. It might be to, to go to their husband or wife, partner. There's numerous things. But yeah, usually if somebody dies, it would then... Unless it was written in trust, it would fall part of their, their estate at that well, point in time. Okay, let's look into it a little bit more in practical terms then, Phil. Tell me what, what some of the options are when you're, you're taking out whole-of-life insurance. Yeah, when you're taking out cover, I mean, you can have indexed cover, so that's cover that the amount you're covered for rises over a period. You can have level cover so that it stays the same. So you might think, right, I want to pay out X amount upon my death to cover this or that. So that's a couple of different types of cover you've got. You can also do single life cover, so it would just be in your, your own name. If you were looking at, for example, inheritance tax planning, you might do what's called like joint life second death. So if it was a couple, for example, the policy would pay out on the death of the second person, and that would usually be to, to pay off maybe inheritance tax bills. Another thing I'd say with, with the 
whole of life policies, the premiums can be guaranteed. So that means that they're fixed at the outset and don't change, or they can be reviewable. What reviewable premiums are is if insurance companies are paying out a lot of claims, they can then increase the, the premium or decrease it, although it's more likely to go up the, than down. So you can have premiums that's guaranteed, reviewable, index linked, level cover, so many different options out there for you. And why specifically would someone go for 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 this cover? I mean, what does it offer that other insurances can't or, or don't do quite as well? Yeah, I mean, like if it was term assurance, you're normally covering something for a specific period of time. But with, with a whole of life policy, because that's guaranteed to pay out on your death, it can be for, for a number of reasons. So I mentioned to pay an inheritance tax bill. That's quite a big one. I know a lot of financial advisors will set up whole of life policies so that it pays out a lump sum on your death, and that'll be used to, to pay the inheritance tax bill. Another reason is to, to cover funeral costs. So a lot of people think, right, I, I want to cover the cost of my funeral when I'm gone, so I'll have a policy there that'll pay out to, to cover that. I, I've seen people taking out whole-of-life plans to, to cover things like long-term care costs. So they maybe end up in a home for, for a period. The costs of that build up, and usually that's payable for example, if somebody owns a house, whenever the house is sold, that'll usually pay the, the care costs bill at that point. So I know some people will take out cover to, to kind of help pay some of that sort of costs. I've also seen examples in the past where people will maybe take out cover to, to cover a lifetime mortgage or equity release sort of plan. So they think, right, I don't want my inheritance to, to be less for my family. So I'll take out some sort of policy as well. So seeing seen a number of reasons, I'd probably say with that list, Probably the inheritance tax bill and funeral costs would be the, the main reasons why people would take them out. The The average cost of a basic funeral is now over £4,000. And wow. if you throw in a headstone, flowers and a wake, it can actually be up to double that figure. So I, I would definitely say covering funeral expenses is, is a big reason why people take out these sort of plans. And I also mentioned the inheritance tax. Inheritance tax receipts are continuing to grow Recently, the inheritance tax ban was frozen, so that means that more people are likely to, to sort of fall under the trap of being caught with, with inheritance tax as well. And in 2021, the government took in $5.32 billion, which was double what it was sort of 10 years earlier. So there, a lot of people are getting caught out with inheritance tax. And what, what a lot of folk don't realise is that the inheritance tax has got to be paid before the executors would release an estate and any IHT bills have got to be paid within six months from the end of the month in which the deceased died. So what a lot of people will do is they'll look at taking out a whole of life policy to pay off the tax bill. And that means that estate can get wound up a lot quicker doing that as well. Okay. You mentioned there that a lot of people use it to uh, cover the cost of their funeral and a basic one now, £4,000. If you throw in the headstone, the flowers, and the wake, possibly double that. So, I mean, you're, you're looking anywhere up to £10,000 maybe just to have a, a sort of standard funeral these days. I know that a lot of people have funeral plans and funeral, you know, covers so that they, they pay off yeah. their funeral in the, when they eventually die. Does it make more sense financially to, to go down this road, to have the, the whole life cover and use that to pay for the funeral as opposed to having yet another cover plan and you know going down the funeral care plan yeah it's definitely there's probably differences because with a whole of life policy you'll you'll usually pay the premiums 
monthly in, in most cases, whereas with, with funeral plans, you've got the option to pay the whole thing up front or annual uh, over a year or pay monthly as well. One, one good thing with funeral plans, they are regulated now. We, we did do a show on funeral mm. plans a while back, but that was before they were, were regulated. So that kind of offers people a bit more sort of protection there with that type of thing. But it's good to, to weigh up both. Good to weigh up and say, well, how much would a whole of life cost? How much would a funeral plan cost? What am I getting with, with each? One of the things with, with funeral costs is that they're rising quite substantially. I mean, the, the sort of like funeral price inflation is, is really quite high. So who knows what the cost of a funeral would be in, say, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years time. Yeah. I suppose that's one of the advantages the funeral plans have got is that they'll sort of cover the, the cost of the, the funeral. Yes. But um, it, it's definitely worth looking into to both if if you're considering it. There's a few imponderables there, like when you're going to actually peg it as well, which is a, another another thing to, <laughs> to take into account. unknown, is it? Yeah, well, to take into account. You you touched it there, Phil. Premiums, going back to the, the whole of life plan, yeah. the, the premiums for that is most commonly still a monthly thing then. Yeah, you, you can buy a whole of life policy using kind of monthly or annual payments. So I, I have seen it in the past where somebody would pay like the whole year's premiums up front, but I would say the majority of plans are set up on a monthly basis. And like I say, things sometimes like your funeral plans, you can pay a, a one-off kind of lump sum there and, and you're covered for, for that there. As long as you pay the premiums, your cover will, will remain intact. And you, you get some policies that's designed so that you can actually stop paying into them when you reach a certain age. So sometimes it might be that you get to age, say, 90 and the premiums stop, or it might be after a set period, you've maybe paid the plan for 30 years, say, and then you're covered still, but there's no premiums to, to pay at that point in time. Well, that's quite good then. So if I took that out at 20, say, I'd be done by the time I'm 50, but I'd have my whole of life cover guaranteed. I, I don't suppose that many people are all that switched on when they're 20, though. They're mostly trying to avoid anything which will tie you into any kind of lifetime commitment to anything age 20. Now, I understand there are two main types of whole life cover. What are they? Yeah, you've got um, often referred to as balanced cover and maximum cover. I'll, I'll cover balanced cover first. And with this, it, it's often like classed as a, as a standard policy. Your premiums, they stay the same for the duration of the policy. And this means that you'll pay the same amount even when you, you get older. So even if you start experiencing health issues, your premiums are fixed at the outset, so you know exactly what you're paying. With this type of policy, the, the payout is also fixed, and that's where the amount that will pay out is agreed at the beginning with the, the insurer when you, you start your policy. The, the other one that you, you can get is what I call maximum cover. With, with this sort of policy, what happens here is... Your money, some of the money goes towards the insurance to cover you if you die, but some of the money is invested into some sort of investment fund. And what happens here is your insurer, they invest the money that you put in each month with the intention that they can generate the, the cover sort of needed for any payout. And then the investment part will kind of rise in value over time as well. So you, usually that bit that goes into the, the investment part, it'll usually be invested in either a unit-linked fund that's made up of sort of stocks and shares, bonds, property, cash, or it might be in a an old-style with-profits fund. I've came across quite a number of whole-of-life policies in the past 
in this. And it's like a sort of pooled investment where your money's in pooled along with, with other investors. And again, that'll go into like stocks and shares, equities, bonds, property. And then with, with that, the more money that goes in over time, that money grows. So that kind of pays out the kind of amount at some point in the, the future. What you'll find with that is that the, the insurers will kind of review the funds sort of regularly. And they, they'll also check that the fund's performing well enough to cover the, the payout. And if it's not on track, what you'll, you'll then find is that they'll suggest increasing your premium contributions or reducing your cover. So a couple of different types of policies that you can take out when it comes to the whole of life plans. I'm, I'm going to guess this is most likely more expensive than your sort of standard life insurance, Phil. And there'll be a few things that will cause that. How much does whole of life insurance cost? Yeah, it's definitely more expensive than a, a sort of standard term policy because you know that you're definitely at some point going to, to have a payout coming from it. Thing, things that affect the amount that you'll pay would include your age, your height, weight, things like your, your job. So if you're in a high-risk job, that could impact what you'll pay per month for it. Smokers will, will pay more than the non-smokers as well because they're more likely to die sort of prematurely. It all really depends on how much cover you, you take out. But because the payout is guaranteed, this form of protection is going to be one of the more kind of expensive ones, is, is what I would say there. And whenever there are pros, there are always cons. So what are the, the disadvantages of whole life insurance? Yeah, I'd de- definitely say like that you'll pay higher premiums. I mean, when I was looking at some premiums earlier, I mean, if, if you were a 30-year-old, you're more likely to pay about six times more for a whole of life policy than you would for like a, a 30 year mortgage life in, insurance policy. And again, even when you get to your, your 50s, I mean, I, I suppose you're neither sort of like death at that kind of age than you are in your 30s. But even then, it, it is going to be more expensive at, at that kind of point in time as well. So premiums are higher. So that would be one of the, the kind of disadvantages. Another one as well is if you've gone for one of these maximum or policies or the ones where it's linked to investments, you don't really have the same control over that investments. The insurance company's choosing how to invest the cash. So that's going to impact the, the kind of cash value, of, like the, the sort of value of the, the investments there. So you don't have quite as much kind of control over it as well. So I'd say that that probably be the two main disadvantages, I would say. You know, you're referring to fifty there as you know closer to death than 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 not. I, I'm fifty in January, Phil. I'm going to refer to it as about halfway. If having heard this, I think, wow, what a bit of that, or maybe I'm completely uninsured in life terms and realise I better get something organised. Where's the best place to go? Who should I be speaking to? Yeah, I mean, if if you were looking for a quote for just standard term cover, our website's really good for for doing quotes for that. It's philandersonfinancial.co.uk slash insurance. So there you can get like a, a kind of indication as to how much life insurance would cost. The only thing, it's not so good when it comes to whole of life policies. So what I would say, if you are looking at or considering taking out a whole of life plan, I would say speak to an independent financial advisor because some of these plans have got an investment element to it, you're definitely best speaking to an independent financial advisor who can help you with, with that sort of side of things as well. Okay, we'll get on to our quote of the week in just a second. But first, let's take a look at how this week's topic has affected Phil's own life in one way or another. Okay, Phil, our subject, as you know, is whole-of-life insurance. What have you got on that subject from your own experience? 
Yeah, I'd say in, in my own experience, I mean, I, I've come across a number of people who've got whole of life plans where the premiums have shot up over time. And see, years ago, some financial advisors, they, they would set have the choice of a whole of life plan or a normal term policy. And they would advise folk to take a whole of life plan. And the reason they did that wasn't because of the benefits that will pay out something on death. It was because they got paid more commission mm-hmm. for, for setting them up. And thankfully, those kind of days are, are behind us now. But you, you did, you got some more kind of unscrupulous advisors that would sort of be more trying to line their pockets as opposed to doing what was best for, for the clients. And I've seen some of these old whole of life plans that folk had they were really just set up as life insurance policies. And then folk get in the letters for the company saying, look, your cover's a way to decrease or you pre- need to pay X amount in premiums to retain your cover. So there are people out there with policies that they didn't really need or didn't know what they've got or why they, they've got it. So I, I would urge anybody, if they've got a whole of life plan, it's always good just to, to keep reviewing it and see why you, you took it out and, and things as well. But that is something I have seen, unfortunately, Mm. in the past as well. Well, let's do this bit now. It's Phil's quote of the week. It's the part of the show where Phil delights us with a quote on the relevant subject topic for the show because he's always loved and benefited from an inspirational quote or two throughout his life. So this week, Phil, whole of life insurance. What are you going for here? I know that's it. When we're speaking about death and life insurance, it's <laughs> not the most cheerier subject. <laughs> the, the quote I've got this week's from somebody called Norman Cousins. Death is not the greatest loss in life. The greatest loss is what dies inside us while we live. Oh, oh! now uh, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details coming up. I'll give it to you after these. Hi, Phil. What's the buzz with non-fungible tokens all about? Are they worth investing in? Probably best to explain what an NFT is. So a non-fungible token... It's a, a kind of one-of-a-kind asset in the digital world that can be bought and sold just like any other piece of property. But one of the things to note is it doesn't have a, a tangible form of their own. So, for example, if you were to take a painting, you've got that physical painting. Now, people can try and copy it, they can take photos of it, but you've got a tangible asset there. So NFTs, they're kind of like non it's a tangible. I, I bought one myself. I, I bought it was like a Wimbledon tennis NFT. I remember getting an email through and I was thinking, why would I want to buy just like a photo on a screen sort of thing? And then I thought about it and I was like, well, there seems to be a big demand for it. And it, it was a ballot. The, the ballot was about, oh, there was about eight times more people entered this ballot than there was actual these limited edition NFTs. So I, I paid 500 quid for that Wimbledon one. And at the minute, I think they're selling for about £1,500. Wow. So if I was to sell it just now, I would have made a, a really good profit mm. on that in quite a short period of time. But I mean, I've also heard stories of people losing a lot of money on NFTs. So what I would say, if anybody is wanting to invest in this sort of thing, weigh up the risks versus the rewards. And you've always got to remember that NFTs are not regulated as well. That's that's the thing. So it's something, I'll be honest, I don't know a heck of a lot about, but if you are doing anything like that, do your homework and really kind of look into things properly. Okay, next up, here's one from Laura in Dundee who says, Hi, Phil. I've been self-employed my entire life. I've always contributed more to my pension than suggested. What are the benefits I can expect as a result? 
Yeah, I would say, I mean, first of all, one of the things you can do is you can find out, you, you can get like a state pension forecast by filling in, it's called a, a BR19 state pension forecast form. So I would always urge people to do that to, to see how much state pension they're, they're going to be entitled to. But for, for any personal pensions, your provider should send you a statement each year and included in that there'll be projections as to what your fund will be worth if it grows at a certain amount, how much income that could provide you with. But th these things can be quite complex complex and complicated to understand. So again, I would recommend speaking to an independent financial advisor because they can explain what you've got, what the different options are going to be when you retire. I mean, when you retire now, you can buy an annuity, you can have what's called drawdown where you can just draw money from your fund, leave it invested. So a lot of different options out there. So what I would say to Laura is go and speak to an independent financial advisor, have a review with them, and they, they'll be able to keep you right with things initially. I get a, a review every year. I get sent out a, a letter from my, my pension provider, and, and it says, you know, you can have the choice of taking this lump sum of X thousand and then so much per month or so much per, yeah. per week afterwards, or you can just take a bigger amount per per month. And I always think, well, that looks quite good. And I never bothered doing anything about it. And I, I, I guarantee, I guarantee that I should be getting in touch and saying, is this going to be okay, guys? And you'll turn around and go, maybe you want to put a wee bit more in, John. Yeah. That's that's a, a real problem that a lot of people are realising as they're, they're getting older, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics so far and we may have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 119 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn too. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show? His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it, as I say, in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured, we won't use your real name if that's what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us. And please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. <laughs>